The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this edition of Benched with Bubba, a couple of things to talk to you about. First, draft.com is a great way to play daily fantasy sports, and it's cool because you don't have to worry about ownership like the other big sites. It's all about snake-style drafts, auction drafts, best ball drafts, where you're the only one that owns them, and it's absolutely awesome. If you're new to draft, use promo code SDSports, SD is in dog sports, you get a free $3 entry into a tournament of your choice. Go to draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SDSports for a free $3 tournament of your choice. Also, if you go to iTunes and give a rating and review, I'd really, really appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton. Um, it, it's a lot of fun doing these these co-podcasts with uh, Toby, Batflip Crazy. It's absolutely great. Hoping to get a bigger and better audience from all you guys to enjoy the show. If you give a rating and review and let us know what you like, what you don't like, it would mean a ton to me, and I know Toby appreciates it as well. Just take a couple minutes out of your day. I'd really, really appreciate it. Now, with all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 198, Bubba and the Batflip, episode 3. Back everybody to another edition, the third edition of Bubba and the Batflip here on another Monday night for you, giving you the updated news in fantasy baseball. You can find me on Twitter at BDintric and my co-host on this endeavor, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. Toby, how we doing, man? I am doing I'm doing pretty well, Bubba. I was uh, I was mentioning to you before we started, like I feel like Fab just takes it out of, out of me these days. You know, it's like come Monday, I feel like I've been through a whole week work, uh, work week uh, after like staying up till two thirty in the morning every Saturday working on Fab. So, um, but other than that, I'm doing well. Um, it's been a it's been a fun day of baseball. It's always nice when there's a an early doubleheader on Mondays. Yep, always day baseball. It should be mandatory day baseball. At least one game every day. There should just be day baseball, but. Yeah. Uh, 
Maybe that'll be the next collective bargaining agreement. We'll see. But the Giants <laughs> just dropped the routine fly ball in center field. So that's how tonight's going. Oh, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of news and notes we were kind of talking about before this. Some will go deeper in than others. Some might, might just mention it and move on. A lot of injuries, kind of replacements. You mentioned Fab being tough this week. These guys might be on our Fab list next week. So we'll have to kind of see how it goes. But we'll start off with the Yankees. They are – they must have taken. They must have drank the Mets water because now they're finding the IL left and right. And it starts out with Edwin Encarnacion fractured wrist, and he's out uh, three to five weeks. Good chance on the back end because there's no need to rush him back because they pretty much locked up the East already. The biggest takeaway for me, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You can talk about Edwin if you'd like, but Mike Ford got the call again, and he's been playing pretty well in AAA. He went deep again tonight. Might be a fantasy pickup in the future. Is all I needed to say. Yeah, I mean, um, anybody on the Yankees, right? It seems like anybody that they plug in has been incredibly successful this year. And we can just go through, I mean, you can go through so many names. I mean, Mike Mike Talkman. I mean, shout out to, to Alex Chamberlain with the Talkman love. I've actually picked him up uh, in a few places this week just because the Yankees schedule coming up is um, is really nice. I mean, they've got the three games against Baltimore to start this week. I think we talked about this on the last podcast too, and then four at Toronto, and then three, four against the Orioles to start next week. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better schedule for anybody to come into. So I think um, you know it's probably too late to add Mike Ford at this point, but you know, like you mentioned, he did really, really well um, in AAA this year, um, as so many people did. But three hundred three, twenty three home runs, just crushing it. Uh, not striking out a lot, which I think is a really nice uh, look for him. So it'll be interesting to see how everybody plugs and plays. Gio Urshela obviously being injured and being out of the lineup today. Hicks getting injured. Um, just so many guys kind of down left and right. What do you think about Ford? Yeah, I think it's one of those with Edwin out for a while, assuming Ford keeps the role because you never know, you know when certain guys are coming back. It's like the walking wounded over there. But if you can get a left-handed bat in Yankee Stadium with regular playing time, it's hard to pass up on that. You mentioned uh, Mike Talkman. That's the one guy I was on the first time he was up here. Then I let him go when he went back to the minors. And, of course, he cost too much this time around, so I don't have him for this lovely period. But that's that, them the breaks, as people say. But, um, yeah, Mike Ford, he's one of those this time of the year. If you can find a guy that might pop out five-plus homers and drive in some runs in a crazy, powerful Yankees lineup, it's hard to say no to that. Definitely. Yeah. And he batted fifth in today's lineup. Just looking that's at it huge. right now. I mean, that's not many better places to be right now in baseball. Yeah, that's, that's real good. Fifth in that lineup, Aaron Judge might be heating up. He a couple hits over the weekend. I know he had at least a double tonight, if not more. So get that going. Maybe DD starts swinging a bat and watch out baseball. It could be really fun, <laughs> but that's going to be tough. It's Yankees Astros and ALCS might be for all the marbles. It's going to be a, a fun one. I have a feeling. Um, as long as you hit that, that. <laughs> yeah, as long as it, yeah, that's that's a whole nother podcast. You know, like there's Luis Severino just started. I think he's going to throw off a mound. I get this past weekend or this upcoming weekend, but he's only going to be coming out of the bullpen pretty much. Tanaka's not good. Cece's banged up, as you said. It's a mess there. Paxton, we'll talk about him later. Uh, Jay Happ was okay yesterday, but there's nothing real concrete. You got to go in and face. That's not good. Nope. Not at all. Not, uh, you, not not that rotation you want to go up against the new Astros rotation no. with. <laughs> no, they, I get, they need a really good nickname. Like Three Amigos makes it more of a joke. It's funny, but 
Like they need something real good with those guys because they're scary, very scary. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gio Urshela, you mentioned him. We can. Uh, he, he's not on the IL yet. He fouled multiple balls off his knee and shin on Sunday, and uh, they're kind of taking it easy with him. X-rays were negative, but like you said, he was not in the lineup today. I'm assuming he'll be back the next day or two, which is good. And they avoided damage with Gleyber Torres also, so those two weren't too bad. But Aaron Hicks is on the IL, so. He's going to be out for a while. Um, it's just he can't stay healthy, which is very, very much a shame. But anything on those two guys, pretty much just business as usual. Brett Gardner gets more playing time. Yeah, you know, with Urshela, he's just a fat. He's just fascinating to me because you know, if you look at his woba expected woba, three sixty nine expected woba, three seventy four woba. So he's kind of um, he's earning what he's done so far. Contact rate is really high, eighty seven overall. That's not. Like that's good for in-zone contact rate, but his overall contact rate at 81% is strong. He's actually more than doubled his hard hit rate from last year. It was a small sample size, but he's up 23% on his hard hit rate from last year at 44.7%. He's lowered his ground ball rate. His plate discipline is among the worst plate discipline in the league. Um, So he's not as valuable in OBP leagues, but you gotta, I mean, like at this point, we're pretty deep into the, into the year. He's been hitting really well. I mean, he's owned in most, if not all 15 team leagues. Um, So if he's healthy and he's in the lineup, I think he's a guy that you definitely want in there. If you haven't already had him in there for, you know, uh, the last couple months, I think Aaron Hicks is, is interesting. I mean, I, I I'm fine dropping him at this point. I know he's only supposed to be out seven to 10 days, or not out seven to 10 days. I think they said he might start throwing in seven to 10 days, but um, seven to 10 days until he starts throwing the ball, then he's going to need a rehab stint. He just never has really looked right this year. Contact rate is down 8%, um, 78% in zone, 70% overall. That's well below league average. His K rate is up to 28%. Um, his plate discipline is still there, but when you have good plate discipline, you walk a lot, but you can still only muster a 299 expected WOBA on the season. Um, there's something wrong there. So Hicks, I actually find the one of the things that I find most interesting about Hicks is next year. You know, he never really, like, he was super good last year. I don't feel like he got the helium that he maybe deserved um, this year in drafts. I think he's going around, like, spot 120 before the injury pushed him out. But he's going to be a guy, I think, that could drop back to where you got him two years ago, you know, that like 225 to 300 range. Yeah. And if that's the case, I think next year he's a guy that I would be targeting in drafts. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah sign me up. If you can give me 200 or later with Aaron Hicks, because I love his talent. That's like everything you said is he, just, he can't stay on the field. And that's kind of tough when you uh, draft him at a certain level in your fantasy draft. You need that guy to produce. And that's the shame with Aaron. He's out there. He's one of the best out there. Uh, at his position, at his draft value. So I got no problems with him. Um, the Urshilla thing's crazy. I don't I don't know where he's getting it from, <laughs> but he's doing it. Like you said, you just plug and play him right now. It's it's pretty crazy what he's doing. Like the Yankees lose Miguel Andahar and they replace him with Urshilla. It's like, what in the world are these right? guys doing over there? But, um, hey, it's good to be the Yankees, I guess. Yeah, um, he's almost a clone of uh, of uh, yeah, almost. Too, right? Like poor plate discipline, but great contact skills, hitting the ball hard, <laughs> like – <laughs> it's nuts pretty similar pretty similar it's pretty crazy um let's talk about the washington nationals they've been a team that are trying to hang around they're gonna most likely beat the giants tonight and probably beat them for a few more times as the week goes on 
But um, as Drew Cabrera, the Rangers released him or put him on waivers, and the Nationals scooped him up, and they're bringing him into town. And I, for one, Drew Cabrera in Texas this year, I'm a big fan as the fact of where you got him in drafts. He's essentially free almost in some drafts or really late in drafts. And I thought at that point his value was good. He's very consistent, 15, 20 home runs, a little bit of speed, scores. He does a little bit of everything where you're getting him in a middle infield position or something. I was a big fan of him. Kind of a letdown season. Um, I don't know if he's going to have an everyday job in uh, in Washington. He can play all infield positions, so that could help. But any thoughts on his dribble to, to, the, to the nation's capital? Yeah, I mean, he's he, like you mentioned, it's been a kind of weird season for him. If you look at his from a skills perspective, everything looks pretty nice. I mean, he's got uh, improved plate discipline, 29% um, O swing. So he's chasing pit and he's not chasing, he's chasing pitcher pitches outside the zone at a lower rate than league average. His contact rate is better than league average, 86 in the zone, 80 total. 40% hard hit rate, better than league average, a lower ground ball rate. Actually, it's down by 6%. So that should be a nice um, development for him. It's down at 36% this year. But like 286 expected Woba, like we know he's been a disappointment. Um, the quality of contact has been the major issue. Barrels per plate appearance is very low, slightly above 3%. He's obviously taking a hit in park factor going from uh, Texas, you know, and Globe Life Stadium, I think that's what they still call it, you know, which is one of the best hitters park to the Nationals park. Um, I do think that he's going to be kind of a mix and match for them. I, I bet he'll probably start like three or four times a week um, at this point in time. And so I don't think in weekly leagues, he's going to hold much value. But I do think, you know, in deeper daily leagues or in NL only leagues, he's obviously somebody that uh, could provide uh, a little bit of a little bit of value. I think that's a good point too, the daily leagues part, because he's going to have positional eligibility all over the place, at least at one corner infield spot, at least second or short, if not both. He'll have middle infield, he'll have corner infield. He'll help your daily leagues a ton because there will be some nice matchups in that Eastern division at times. And then when they're like, they're like, for instance, out West and other stuff like that. So uh, not, not a bad call there, especially in those daily leagues. I think there's still something in that bat, maybe a little change of scenery or something will help, but it was a shame that in hitter-friendly globe life, he could not get it done. I was really, I think I even wrote an article, one of the few articles I actually write. I think I wrote an article of how excited I was about him. Yep, that was wrong, apparently. Um, I, I mentioned we've all, we've the all been there, podcast. We've all been there. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And I have never wanted to fall away from letting people know when I'm wrong. I think I tweeted out uh, every Shane Bieber start how wrong I was every oh, time man. for like the last month and, and a half. We can be united in the fact that we were down on Shane Bieber compared to the industry heading into this year. That's that's yep, the would, that's, that's, that's the uh, the medal or something that will hold, you know. Yeah, we will hold that torch together. Yeah, um, there you go. We'll, we'll we'll hold the YOLO torch together. Um, <laughs> but I mentioned on the last podcast that I dropped Howie Kendrick and it was very difficult for me. And I don't want to ever see a guy get hurt, but now the fact that Howie Kendrick's on the high yellow with hamstring injury, I feel a little better about life. Um, <laughs> you just mentioned as Drupal Cabrera's over there, Matt Adams, Brian Dozier, should get playing time. If you're a Howie Kendrick donor, do you, do you think people should follow my lead and just drop him now? Yeah. You know, um, I didn't see what he went on the, um, injury list. Oh, a hamstring. It looks like. Yeah. Um, hamstring. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it really depends. I haven't seen what the prognosis for Kendrick is obviously like he's been playing incredibly well this year. 
um, you know, really doing, doing pretty much everything well. I mean, his contact rate is back up to kind of the highest it's ever been in his career. I think that's the major driver of it. Um, I think it's fine unless you're in like a super deep league um, to let him go as long as there's a suitable solution. And I think there's been so much movement in lineups over the last couple of weeks with guys going to the IL, with all the trades happening, with some of the guys coming up from the minors, that there should be some nice little alternatives out there, you know, at, at like a middle infield or a corner infield position for folks to get. So if you don't have an IL, I think it's fine to kind of let him go. He probably hasn't been a key part um, of or an overwhelming part of your success necessarily, but uh, kind of be thankful for what you got from him. And and as long as there's something suitable out there, I think it's fine to move on. How how are you? How are you feeling? I know you 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 just dropped him, but if you had still had him on uh, your team, would you be would you be pushing him along? Yeah, I'd, I'd be pushing him along. He's 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 been good the last month or so, but not like he was early in the year. And he's just not playing consistently. When once these guys all got healthy around the infield, he's like platooning with Matt Adams. Early in the year, he was not platooning with Matt Adams. They just let him play. Um, now having Azuro Cabrera in the mix just kind of muddies the water even more. It, it's one of those tough spots because he's been very, very good. It's like if you really needed like a middle infielder or something, I'd say okay, go and grab him if he was healthy. At the same time, if you can upgrade, like say you're going to add Bobashek this week, yes, I would drop Howie Kendrick. <laughs> um, so, so, like, I know that's probably too broad of a spectrum, but it, it's all in context. But where I was, I definitely would. And I think there's going to be options on the waiver wire. Like, you know what? If you need power, I'd drive, I would drop uh, Kendrick from Mike Ford. I would do that. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, the, that's a great point because I think at this point in time, we're going to talk a little bit later about um, John Birdie on the, on the, I don't even know if that's how you say it, on the Marlins. But like, this is the time of year if you're playing roto leagues, at least that you're like, you know, when guys get injured or when you're looking at the waiver wire, you need to be thinking about how you're gaining points. Like where, where are you going in the standings and how is each player, how does each player fit into that puzzle uh, of kind of pushing you up along the standings where you need to go? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not just like how you're going to, it's where can you gain? Cause you know, you might be behind in this like three categories, but realistically you can only gain in two of them not three of them so don't try chasing the third one like keep yeah. keep uh keep focus and, and not, not enough people talk like like look into their teams and figure it out um that's why towards the last like month in tgfbi i spent a lot of extra money on anybody that can get saves because i knew i could gain in saves if i got like you know 10 more in the last two months than the next two guys ahead of me i gained two points that's that's big um at this time of the year it's just little things like that where it's Okay, if I need, you know, if I need home runs, I'm gonna need a lot of home runs because of the way the baseball culture is, so on and so forth. It's just a weird dynamic. I know I'm rambling now, but no, you really no, have but, to kind of break it down and Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that like what you said makes total sense. And it's also thinking about like um you can't just think about like adding a player, like if you add a steals guy, right? Like John Birdie, for example, yep. like if I add him him to my team, I can't just put him in there and stick him in there. Uh, if unless I have a huge cushion in like RBI and home runs exactly. and other other categories, right? Because you have to factor in the negative impact that having a player has on your has on the rest of your categories. The same way that you factor in how they help it out. So, like that, I think is where streaming becomes really, really 
helpful is if you can stream guys in, in matchups that are beneficial to that particular category, right? Like any hitter against the Orioles or the Blue Jays, right? But like against the Mets, they're the worst base, worst at holding runners on base, right? They've got good pitching, so it's hard to get on base. But when people get on base, they give up like, I think it's like 0.2 more stolen bases than any other team in the league. So that's a good team to stream stolen base guys against because, you know, if they do get on, chances are it could work out in your favor. And you're just hoping for, you know, a grouping of like three or four stolen bases here or two or three stolen bases here. And if you can do that, like a few times over the course of now to the end of the season, you're talking about an additional, you know, eight to 10 stolen bases that you have now that you may not have had if you were just trying to stick with like the same lineup or, you know, um, or even like if you just stuck that same guy in there, like, yeah, now your home runs, you've got eight to 10 less because you didn't, didn't have a guy in there that had any pop. So I think, you know, the waiver wire is so interesting and that's why I'm spending so much time like going through it is just thinking about all those different pieces of like, where can you attack and injuries as painful as it sounds, they're like opportunities to attack those categories where, you know, you know, you don't, where you need help. Well, yeah, because also it's like when certain guys are in your roster, it's like, you know, say Stanton was still healthy, say he was hitting 220 and, you know, little power, you wouldn't want to replace him because it's Stanton. But once he gets hurt, now I can take a step back and I can improve my team right now. Like, how yeah. can I do this? Like, little things like that. That injury opens up, like, it makes you feel better as an owner. Like, it's never easy just to kind of, like, move along on guys. But that's, like, the hardest thing to do. And that's kind of what I wanted to have the, the the Kendrick discussion because he's been really good. But, like, he, like I, I dropped Matt Carpenter last year, and I regret it to this day. But when I dropped him, I didn't regret it. Like, he was yeah. horrible, absolutely horrible. And there was a lot of reports that he was hurt. And, obviously, he got better at Sorians. But, <laughs> like, you just have to kind of do your thing and keep grinding it out and really focus on your team because, like you said, you do all the fab. Well, you have a bunch of teams, and you might be going for the same player in four teams but you might price it out differently because of the needs of that team. And so it's, it's, it varies all over the board. And that's why one thing is when I want people to ask us questions all the time, like I have no problem answering lineup questions on Twitter or whatever, but I need like, like so much of it's so team dependent, so league dependent. It's like, I can help you as best I can, but unless I know everything behind the curtain, I probably can't give you the exact answer you need to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so much, I mean, it, like, it's helpful to know just like the basics, right, about a league, but it's so true. Like, especially at this time of year, like everything is so context dependent, like not to belabor the point, but like, you know, like with the John Birdie thing, like I have him in the lineup instead of Daniel Murphy, right? Daniel Murphy, you normally just stick him in the lineup and kind of leave him there in a lot of situations, but like he doesn't hit as well outside of course, who, you know, who does, but like his three matchups he has, he's going up against Garrett Cole tomorrow. He's going up against, um, uh, or no, Zach Granke tomorrow, Garrett Cole on Wednesday, and then he's facing a lefty on the road as well. And so I'm actually thinking he's probably going to sit against that lefty because they've been sitting him like, you know, one every, once out of every four games. He may sit against that lefty. And so you you want to prioritize Daniel Murphy against Garrett Cole and Zach Granke over, you know, five games or four games since he didn't start the second part. So like, that's the level of depth, I think, like, you know, to that you, 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 you want to get, or not like you want to get to, that sounds like kind of 
kind of pompous, but like that's, those are the types of considerations I think that, you know, to, to maximize your roster, like that you really need to be thinking about. No, it's a hundred percent. Like I have, uh, I have had, I've had a uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan McMahon all season long to another Rockies example. I think I've sat him almost every period on the road, almost every period. Yeah. And cause if you look at his splits, it's, it's to a T and like a lot of those times I throw like hands for Alberto in a second base when he wasn't like, you just kind of play it back and forth and you try to, and, and like, I, I could sit here and talk to you about this for a long time if we really wanted to, cause there's a lot of different <laughs> examples. Fun. Like yeah. for, yeah, for instance, like I'm just looking, I just pulled up my roster and, and we were kind of joking before the podcast instead of throwing, cause I told you I couldn't get rid of anybody this week. So I lost every fab bit I had. So I still have Joe Musgrove on my roster. But instead of starting him, I had destroyed him this year. I have Diego Castillo in my lineup, hoping he gets one opener appearance or maybe a couple bullpen shots. That's all it is. So that way he, I don't get my ratios destroyed, maybe get a few strikeouts. You never know what he runs into. But it's just you don't have to do certain things just because, hey, he's got to start this week and he doesn't. Things like that. It's all dependent week to week. Uh, and, and good thing with NFBC, I, I've really liked this year on the offensive side. It's the uh, Friday mornings you can rotate your hitters in and out, which is pretty cool yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I think the midweek changeover, you know, like the Monday to um, uh, Monday Monday through Thursday, and then Friday um, Friday and the weekend thing that uh, NFBC and some other sites do is uh, I think that's the best format. Well, and it, and it does so many things for like when you talked about you, you target Coors or. You targeted, you know, the Yankees because they're in Baltimore. It's not like you're going to sit the Yankees after Baltimore. But, like, when teams go to face Baltimore on the road or at home, you want every piece of that you can get. So it's one of those, like, if they say, say they face Baltimore and they go, they go into Yankee Stadium or they go into Boston, maybe you don't want those three games on the weekend. But you get those four games early in your rock and roll. So lots of ways to go about it. But we can keep talking strategy as the season goes on. We'll probably talk about it when we get to the fab part at the end of the podcast here. But let's go to the Chicago Cubs. This one I missed over the weekend and with recent news. Craig Kimbrell goes to the IL with knee inflammation. All MRIs check okay. He says he'll be back right away. He has not been great since he's returned. Not throwing as hard as he once did. You mentioned um, Kyle Ryan and Drew Phelps had shots tonight. It's a mess. It's a mess, Toby. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, um, uh, David Phelps, who they just picked up, ended up getting the save. Kyle Ryan um, came in initially for the save, but walked a hitter, uh, gave up a hit in two-thirds of an inning. Uh, Steve Sishek uh, was terrible in the eighth inning. Um, so it's just a mess. I know that Madden mentioned it's going to be a committee. I think he's being honest there. And, um, you know, for me, there's not really that. Normally in a, in a bullpen, there's that kind of arm that kind of jumps out and is the clear, most skilled arm in the bullpen that you hope gets saves. When I take a look at the underlying skills for all of these guys, I see a ton of mediocrity. And so, um, you know, if I was going to guess before today who was going to get the most save opportunities, I would have guessed Sishek. But, um, but I don't know. And, and if, you, if you can, I would stay away from the bullpen um, and if you're, if you yep. need saves badly, you know, then speculate on Phelps for the time being, he came in, got the out that he needed. Um, you know, that makes him pretty much more qualified than the other, other guys in the bullpen to, to get the next <laughs> shot. So that's, uh, that's what I would say. Yeah, no, it's messed. I'll echo everything you had to say. 
you got to speculate, speculate on the last guy that got the save. That's all I can tell you because it's going to be a, it's a revolving, it's going to be a carousel right over there, up and down and around and around. So um, have fun with that one. But more seriously with the Chicago Cubs, catcher Wilson Contreras, who after last year's dud, people got as kind of a value in draft days. He's hit great this year, reminding us of the old Wilson Contreras. Problem is he can't stay healthy, and he's out again. They're expecting up to a month with this hamstring strain. When he got hurt, he knew it was bad. Like I saw the tonight, last night or Saturday night with it, and he, he you could tell he was in big-time pain. It was not good. They're saying he's going to be out for at least a month. Um, I'm not saying drop him, but if it's at least a month, he might be dropping him. Maldonado, they got Victor Caratini. Any thoughts on the Cubs catching situation? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Caratini has been pretty good. Uh, the last time I checked up on him, he was definitely playing uh, over over his head. Um, I'm not sure whether that's uh, the case. Um, let's see. Uh, no, it looks like he's been playing pretty well. Three three fifty four. Just a very quick glance at the three fifty four expected WOBA for the three sixty three forty seven WOBA overall. So he's been playing well. I mean. You know, catcher's been pretty deep, so it depends on who's on your waiver wire if you want to look at. But I think for right now, Caratini is not a bad uh, is not is not a bad guy to go to. Um, uh, yeah, how do you what do you feel about him? I'm gonna do I'm gonna dive in a little bit more. Um, but what are you think? What are you thinking? Um, I like Caratini. I liked him when every day he was really cheap in DFS. That's when I like Caratini. Um, when you're talking season long. I think he's one of those catchers, as kind of goes back to what we're talking about strategy-wise, where I don't mind him because even if he doesn't play every day, the days he does play, matchups for him, and he'll be productive, if that makes sense. Uh, they're not just going to throw him out there. You know, he's hitting 264, five from ones on the year, pretty well in the minors. It's a guy that I think could, could enjoy a nice Wrigley Summers a switch hitter, which is nice. He's got the platoon advantage. I don't mind him. I, I think Martin Maldonados might get more of the stars just because he's a better defensive catcher than Caratini's offense when it comes to fantasy, the thing we care about. I don't think he's a bad play. If you're, like, you're really, really desperate for catchers, he, he's probably an option. There's There's been a few catchers that have shown up in recent weeks on the waiver wire that have been uh, pretty nice. But uh, Caratini, if you're desperate, I, I don't hate it. I think he can be a replacement if you need him. Yeah, well, I think one of the challenges is that Maldonado got moved on to the to the Astros, you know? And so, like, you know, this oh, he is went kinda, back here. Yeah, like, that was one of those moves that just kind of happened towards the to the end of the deadline. And, like, somebody was tweeting about it, and they're like, man, the, the fact that there's no August waiver trade is going to really impact the Cubs here, right? They're going to have a month with they Caratini too. as the primary backup backstop and i mean like you said like he looks pretty good like i'm just looking at the skills better than league average plate discipline throughout his career um league average to better contact rate um his hard hit rate is up 10 percent this year uh he does hit a lot of ground balls but you know that's that's not going to hurt his average terribly it's just the power a little bit and you know so um he's he's intriguing enough i think that as a catcher too you could do a lot worse, but the Cubs, I think, are just in, you know, with Kimbrel going down and Contreras going down, um, you know, just it does not, it's not, it, was, it wasn't the best couple days um, in Wrigley. No, luckily, luck, luckily they're still in first place, but 
Yeah, I feel like an idiot now. If, uh, with Victor Caratini being the main man in town, looking at roster resource here, uh, Taylor Davis is the backup. I think Caratini's got a lot more to offer as like a catcher too, like you said. It could be a fun one. Um, just a quick debate. Uh, we talked about Austin Nola last week and his multiple position eligibility. Is catcher eligible? Would you rather have a guy like Austin Nola or Victor Caratini? I know they're two very obscure players, but they're probably both like dollar to two dollar bids on a Sunday. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, I would probably go with Caratini um, just because I think the um, the situation is better. Obviously, with the Cubs, um, Castellanos played really well today. So I think overall, uh, it's a much better lineup to be a part of. Um, I think Nola, the last time I looked at him, yeah, he was getting pretty lucky. So he has a 389 Woba and a 290 expected Woba. Again, like you can't just look at that and know everything about the player. So that's just very briefly looking at him. I know he's also showed some pretty good play discipline. But when I looked at him before, I know the thing that stuck out, and I think we talked about it this last week, was the lack of real quality batted balls. I think he had had one barrel at that point in time and three home runs when we were talking last. Um, And so like for that reason, I'm not, I think I would lean Caratini because the situation is better. And I think he's probably a better player um, as well. So that's, that I think is where I'm kind of at. Yeah. I'm kind of with you there. Uh, I think Noel is interesting for his multi-position eligibility, but I think Caratini, I think he's the better offensive player in a better situation, like you said. So, yeah, on this, board with you. yeah, yeah. This is interesting. I actually, I, I'm just, ju- I'm just really quickly jumping into Victor Caratini. Seven point one percent barrels per plate appearance, which is really nice. And then he's got a max exit below of one thirteen point six. So oh, he's got some edge. sneaky good power. Sneaky, yeah, good power. very good. I mean, he's got a low ground ball. He's got a high ground ball rate, so he doesn't hit a ton of balls in the air. Uh, but, like, if you look at him in StatCast, like, he's right next to Yasiel Puig, and he has the exact same barrels per plate appearance, and he has pretty much the exact max exit below. And so that just gives you a sense right there of, you know, of the potential. So uh, I, the more and more I look into Caratini, the more and more I, I like him as a, as a catcher, too, with potentially high upside if he gets enough plate appearances. Yeah, I was I was really bummed when they first got Maldonado because I liked Caratini getting – you know, a couple starts a week, they'd have Contreras play in the in the in first place or the outfield and give Caratini more spots behind the dish, and he just he could flash that power. Now he's the everyday guy. I think it's not bad, especially in a two catcher league. As bad as catchers are, give him a shot. Let's go to the Twin Cities, Minnesota Twins. This was a it's a tough one. Byron Buxton, who just he's having a really good year, but this is now his third trip to the IL. Left shoulder sublimation. Uh, supplication and they're saying it looks pretty serious they don't know for sure they're going to reevaluate it in a few weeks this is one of those like the poor guys can't stay healthy um kepler's crushing it marvin gonzalez complaining off of but jake cave or jake cave gets kind of the the biggest boost i guess out of this any thoughts on buxton in the the outfield wow uh i didn't i hadn't heard what it was that's the same injury i believe that uh adalberto mondesi had and they're just hoping Mondesi comes back at this point um, uh, this year. I read an update recently where they were just kind of saying like, oh, like it's really important to us that Mondesi comes back this year just so that he can kind of get the feel for the game again before the summer happens. And that does not, 
sound great to me. And so Buxton, it happening a couple weeks after that, it does not bode well. Um, for Buxton, I'd obviously listen to, to what the, the what the prognosis is, but um, that sounds like he's a possible drop at this point in time, which, like you said, is disappointing given mm-hmm. um, what he has been able to do. Um, I think uh, if I were to guess, I would think the major beneficiary of the move, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, would would maybe be um, Luis Arias or uh, Arias. Yeah. Um, I guess he, he could plug into the outfield, you're right. Yeah, I think he played. I think I, I only know this because I think I, I was watching a game. I like to watch the Twins, number one, because they're good. Number two, because of Eddie the Eagle. Uh, number three, because of Max <laughs> Kepler, who's my man, yes. too. Uh, yes. And then Nelson Cruz. Holy bejesus, yeah. what he did what last you... week. Like, oh, my did God. You know that he's 39 years old, for crying out loud. It's nuts. It's nuts. He hit, like, what, six home, run, six home runs in two games in, like, the span he, of he four had... days? He's had two, three home run games over the last week. It's crazy. You want to know something? He was just, he was just, uh, he was just pissed off because he had to sit at that NL park when they played like at the Braves or whatever it was. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, let's see. Um, no, it looks like uh, yeah. So it may be Cave that gets Cave started on Sunday as well. Just looking at that, I think I saw Arias and um, uh, left field. Yeah, it was Saturday. I saw him in left field um on saturday and so i actually think it really bodes well for his value in particular when i saw that i upped my bid just like a dollar or two because i was after him in a couple places um just because like yeah i mean he he was in kind of a crunch in the uh in the infield but with left field opening up you know it's just one more game a week that he probably gets where he may have sat previously or or cave gets Cave, I have not dug deep into what he's done this year. I know he's had very limited plate appearances. I was interested in him last year and in the offseason. Um, he is a guy who can barrel the ball up. His barrels per plate appearance were really high. He had a really strong end of last season as well. And the Twins are playing a really uh, bad schedule. They have a, a few tough games coming up, but I think they play like, I think their August and September schedule um, is pretty nice looking. Like, yeah, so they have at Milwaukee. So ne- starting next week, they're at Milwaukee for two, at Texas for four, White Sox for three, Detroit for three, White Sox for three, Detroit for four, Red Sox for three. So I would say there's what, like eight straight positive, you know, at series least, yeah. in a row that they're going to get right there. So, um, you know, I would monitor Caves, Caves, um, uh, his playing time because I think he he actually has some skills that could be very useful um, down the stretch. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. A bummer for sure for Bucks and owners because you're also losing those stolen bases and it's so 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 hard to get those back. Yeah, that was the big part. But uh, you look at Cave last year and with the Twins, 309 plate appearances, he had 13 home runs. This year in AAA, in 214 plate appearances, hitting 352. He didn't have a 437 Babbitt. That's pretty high. Yeah. But uh, seven home runs and five stolen bases, so maybe he can swipe a couple for you down the home stretch. So that'd be something to keep an eye on. But the, the thing with the Twins, which is fun, A, they've hit almost 220 home runs, and you just listed off that schedule. They might be 400 by season's end. Um, <laughs> for sure. But, uh, like, because Arias can play the infield and the outfield. Marvin Gonzalez can play infield, outfield. So they're going to be able to rotate guys around the whole time. You still have Jonathan Scope and other guys. So there's there's a lot of weapons in this Twins lineup, which is pretty terrifying. 
Uh, speaking of the Twins pitching, though, uh, Pineda, Michael Pineda has been very, very good of late. And now he goes on the IL with right triceps strain. They say it's not serious, but anything that revolves your right triceps scares me a little bit. They think he'll be back pretty soon, but um, Smelter got to start on Sunday, and I saw him added in a lot of leagues. He doesn't really do it for me. I don't know. Is, do you have any, any interest in a guy like Devin Smelter? Yeah, I mean, I have some interest in deeper leagues only because he's pitching for the Twins. He pitches in the AL yeah. Central, and you know that in and of itself gives him a little bit of value. Um, the other thing that I like about him, he is a low walk guy, walk guy. I think that's been the case throughout his career. Uh, in his brief stint in the majors, he's got a 4.9% walk rate, which is really, really good. Um, his K rate is low at 20.4%, but that's still giving you a league average K minus walk rate. And whip is just so tough right now um, that, uh, you know, if you're looking for somebody to add for either wins or for whip, he's kind of a guy that I would mix and match based on, um, uh, based on what the matchup is. And, and again, we just went over the twin schedule. So they're going to have pretty much um, up until that Red Sox series, the, they're going to have a positive matchup uh, from a hitting perspective in, in most of those series. And so he might not be a bad guy to add in next week's fab if he's still available. And then, you know, you could, you could be able to start him for a few weeks there, depending on how long Pineda has gone. But um, you know, like, he, um, you know, anytime there's something muscular in the arm, I get really worried <laughs> for yeah. obvious reasons and especially a guy with his injury history. So, you know, Smelter is, is interesting in deeper leagues. I don't think he's really viable in 12 team leagues. He's not going to get you K's, but, um, he could be useful. Yeah. He could be useful in deeper leagues for sure. So the Cleveland Indians, Danny Salazar returned for his first start and it was ugly. I was tweeting about it like crazy. He was not throwing hard at all. The end result was okay, but the overall product did not look great. And now he's back on the IL with a mild groin strain. I don't know what is going on with Danny Salazar, but any any thoughts on this? Like I said, the start looked bad. It looked like it looked like a batting practice, but yeah, that's what it was to me. Yeah, you know, he's he's a guy who I mean, everybody had so much such high expectations. And I'm sure like there's gonna be that one year where he has the breakout. Right. But at this point in time, and like even before this year, I mean, we knew he was going to be injured heading into this year, but it's just kind of like, you know, he's at the point where he needs to show me like what, um, you know, show me that he can do it at this point in time before I'm, I'm buying in at all. And um, he certainly didn't with his last start. He was very fortunate, um, decent amount of base runners, a few double, a couple double plays, uh, a lot of hard hit balls at the right places. I think it could have been a lot worse. And like you said, it was like he was pumping like 86, 87 without the command of, of Kyle Hendricks. So uh, it would it was not going to end pretty for him. No, not pretty at all. Um, Zach Davies is actually been pitching okay this year for the Milwaukee Brewers. Not pretty, but been very, very useful. He's headed to the IL and Jake Faria, the newly acquired member of the Brew Crew, is getting the call, and I, want, I only wanted to bring this up because Freya at one point in time was kind of fantasy viable in the world of fantasy baseball. Any interest in jumping on a guy like this? Because to me, I need to see it from him first because I think there's a reason he hasn't been back in the bigs in a little while besides you know recovering from injuries and whatnot. But um, any thoughts on Freya, who's now a brew member of the Brew Crew? 
Um, yeah, last year, not this past, not this year, but like the year before that, I was actually really liked him, um, uh, as a pitcher after his rookie season, he looked pretty promising. He's got a really nice change up. Uh, the problem is he can't throw it for strikes. It's only got a 28% zone percentage. Um, the problem is, is that control, um, he's, he's got a 10.8% career walk rate, which is well above league average for a starter, about 3% above and then his strikeout rate is only 21.2 percent which is worse than league average and not surprised you combine those together and he's got a 10.3 percent came on his walk rate for his career there's certainly potential i mean that changeup is a very very good pitch if he um knew how to command it um the, the, the challenge is is that he doesn't and so um you know i'm not really interested at this point in time but like you said there was a point in time when he was seen as being a better player than Blake Snell um, and or being a, potentially a more valuable piece uh, than Blake Snell, at least for fantasy drafters. And so, um, you know, there's possibility, but uh, I'm not, I'm not betting on it right now and I'm not going out and picking him up anywhere at this point. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you. Got to wait and see it. I uh, got, got some more to talk about here. You mentioned Yanni Trinos going on the IL earlier he goes on the IL with an inflamed middle finger. He must have been pissed off at somebody. <laughs> but um, yeah, what a great injury! Exactly. Yes. Look where my fingers hurt. Um, but Austin Pruitt gets the call up. It's the Rays. I see a lot of mixing and matter. That's why the Diego Castillo comment I made earlier. He Steve was an opener over the weekend. I could see them doing all kinds of goofy stuff. Are you worried about any replacement here? Because for me, it's just it's Rays business being Rays. Yeah, I think it's just um, you know, uh, Rays being Rays. I'm bummed out about losing Trinos. I was I was lamenting to you the fact that the Trinos injury has me starting in one of my main events <laughs> as me starting uh, Sam Tui uh, Valala, um, which, you know, isn't a terrible thing in and of itself. He could potentially close um uh for them, uh but uh it's not optimal um for who I have uh in my uh, in my weekly uh, pitching lineup, but you know, for at this point in time, you know, like just hope that Chirinos comes back and um, and is healthy. And it's just tough for the Rays because you know they have like Charlie Morton, and that's about it in terms of like regular starters. And so, you know, you, their strategy relies, I think, on having a couple more healthy starters. It's it's going to start to really push them. Um, I guess. I guess here. the I guess the biggest thing would be is. I think it kind of locks in Brendan McKay for a little while now instead of this back-and-forth yo-yo. McKay, Beeks, we might get to see them all kind of do their thing, which will be nice to not have to play that game over and over again. Uh, the Reds made an interesting move today. Uh, I guess it doesn't hurt when it's free, give anything a chance. Maybe they can fix them like they fixed Sonny Gray, but uh, I think there's a lot more fixing on this used car. Uh, Kevin Gossman was picked up by the Reds today. I'm going to sit and watch. I don't think I want anything to do with him in Great American Small Park, but do you see something that might catch your attention? Uh, for Gossman, not really. Um, on the last podcast, I think it was this week or our, or our first one, we were talking about him in his first start back, and he was only throwing two pitches. You know, He was throwing that the four-seam fastball uh, and his splitter, and he only had one other pitch. I think it was his slider. Not surprisingly, he got lit up this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Reds have in mind um, for Gaussman. I would not be surprised if they maybe tried him out in a bullpen role um, only because like, 
you know, they've got a decent number of starters at this point. I mean, they have Bauer, they have Castillo, they have um, Alex Wood, they have, who am I forgetting? There's one other good one I feel like I'm forgetting. for, for uh, Alex right Wood, Gray, Bauer. Oh, Sonny Gray. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. mentioned Sonny Gray. So they have four really nice starters. I wouldn't be surprised to, check, to see maybe Gaussman tried out a little bit in a bullpen role um, because the, the slow finger fastball is nasty. Uh, the velocity is not great as a starter. I mean, it's solid at 94, um, but he could if he could bump that up a couple ticks to be the 90, 96 uh, with that splitter, I think he could be something in the bullpen. So I'm interested to see how they use him. At this point in time in his career, I don't think he's a viable starting pitcher unless they can teach him, you know, another breaking pitch. And, you know, I wouldn't put us past the Reds if any team's going to do it. They're one of the teams I think that would. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. Be interesting to see how that all goes, but uh, kind of a surprising move in that respect. The Marlins made a splash. I always love it when these uh, prospects get called up. These kids are fun, and and I, I'm I think it's Isan Diaz. That's how I've heard it everywhere. Could be totally wrong. Um, gets the call for the Marlins. He was a part of the Christian Yelich deal. Uh, MLB Pipeline had him as the fifth best Marlin prospect, 86th overall. To 26 home runs so far this year, still hitting 305. Nice little ball player. He took Jacob DeGrom deep today for his first career hit and home run, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, I grabbed him in the Barf League. Uh, I was pretty pumped nice. on that. Uh, this this kid, as long as they leave him up here, he's on the 40-man already before they even made the move. So it was an easy move for them. They have nothing to lose to keep to, to play this kid. Uh, I'm looking forward. Did you have any, uh, any takes on him? I know Craig Mish was raving about him on Twitter. Yeah, you know, the thing that jumps out about me uh, for him this year is that he's cut the strikeout rate considerably. Um, he's always had good plate discipline, at least, you know, from a walk rate perspective. Every single year except for last year, above, at 11% essentially or above. Um, but he also, that came with some some K, some Ks. Last year um, in AAA, in 155 plate appearances, a 29% K rate, 26.7%. Uh, the year before in double A, uh, but he cut that down to 22.1% this year, um, which uh, is really nice. He's obviously not, I think, going to hold that in uh, the big leagues, but if he can just be in the 25% range, uh, he seems like a guy that can hit the ball hard. Uh, you saw that home run today. I don't know if you saw the video clip they were interviewing his dad. dad. Did you see it was that? Amazing. It was oh amazing. Oh my God, it was incredible. My favorite thing, it. my favorite thing was, we was at the end when he's like asking himself, like if he believe, like he's like, is this is this reality? He's like, we just hit a we just hit a home run off of Jacob Degrom. Uh, yeah, we just hit a home run off of Jacob Degrom. It's like it awesome. so awesome, right? Like that's what it's all about. That was like such a great uh, such a great moment. But you know, I think it's a really interesting profile. He's going to be the next guy next week. He's going to be the big kind of prospect that folks are going after with like whatever $10 they have remaining in fab um, at this point in time. But if you need power, um, I I don't think he's a bad option. I think they're going to play him every day. They want to get him uh, at bats and that could be, that could could prove, uh, he could prove very fruitful here down the stretch, especially like we see how thin some teams pitching is getting. I mean, it's just getting thinner and thinner and thinner in September. It's going to get even worse and it's just going to be, um, it's going to be crazy out there for hitters. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he's a very, very good pickup. I'll be curious to see how much he goes for this week as we saw Bichette go for all different, all kinds of different prices 
this past weekend. Like you said, money is very limited now, so we'll see how that goes. Um, a potential closer situation. Problem is it's with the Marlins, who we just talked about, and they don't win a lot of baseball games, so is it really worth it? Probably not, but uh, I just wanted to bring it up. It's been a messy since they traded Romo, and rumor has it, and it could just be a rumor, Ryan Stanek's going to be coming up and potentially getting some saves as he's getting uh, accumulated to the Miami Marlins as he came over in that trade for Nick Anderson and Trevor Richards. So just wanted to bring him up. If you need saves, he's an option, but it's the Marlins, so grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I saw that. I saw the quote about him being used in the high leverage situations. The one thing that um, it is going to be interesting to see how he is used. I do think that the Marlins have one good reliever in that bullpen in um, in uh, in Jarlin Gar- uh, Jarlin Garcia or Harlan Garcia. Um, he's actually been really good recently. He pitched well today as well. I think he was in line to get the save. Um, he went one in a third inning and struck out three guys, no hits or walks. Um, he's been really good recently, but um, yeah, I mean, Stanek could could prove valuable down the stretch here um, so long as he stays healthy and, and gets in the bullpen. Uh, I did not look it up, but I, I heard on another podcast that he's, he's uh, repping a 15% swinging strike rate um, so far this year. Let's see, 15.2%, three straight years with a 15% swinging strike rate. So he's a really nice piece. If you're, if you need saves, there's a lot more speculations in that. Yeah. I liked him when he was the opener for the race. He'd sometimes get four or five, six strikeouts in his two innings. Like he's got some filthy stuff. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on the New York Mets. Robinson Cano back to the IL as he tore his hamstring, like tore it bad. Like they're expecting month, maybe rest of the season with uh, Robinson Cano. There's not really a ton to like when it comes to the Mets. If anything, it maybe means McNeil plays second base again, opens up some outfield time. I don't have much to tell to say on this one. Do you have anything on this one? Uh, they brought up um, uh, Luis uh, Guillorme. Um, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but he um, he got the start in the second uh, day, second game of the doubleheader at second base. There's also uh, Dennis Echeverria who they could put there, but not a lot of great options. It'll be interesting to see what they do. None that I see is particularly um, fantasy um, relevant for the time being. You know, surprisingly, though, the Mets are, I think, heading into today. To today they were three games out of the wild card. Um, yes, and now so they are two games out of the wild card after today. They're a half game behind the Brewers and two games behind the Nats and the Phillies. Um, so, man, this wild card is going to be nuts. Wild. Uh, seven teams within two and a half games of the wild card. Yeah, that's pretty freaking crazy. Pretty, pretty yeah. crazy. Um, the Angels, they have not had a good week here. Uh, Andleton Simmons to the IL with a foot injury. Hopefully not too severe, but they're not – not exactly sure how long this is going to take. This is the second time he's been on the IEL for a similar injury. Uh, Griffin Canning to the IEL with, um, I believe it's an elbow issue, but they don't think it's going to retire Tommy John. That's still up for debate. And then Felix Pena out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. A rough last couple days for the Halos when it comes to the injured list. Uh, do you have any any takes on these? Not really. Um the canning news kind of came out of nowhere, I felt like. I'm, yeah. I must have missed something, but 
Um, it was like, I, I remember seeing he's going to the IL and then the next tweet I saw was he doesn't need UCL <laughs> replacements or he doesn't need Tommy John. And I was like, Oh wow. That escalated quickly. Real quickly, um, yeah. yeah. And then with the angels, I mean, they've, they have every single pitcher on their team. It seems like every single young pitcher that comes up, um, has some injury issues there. Um, you know, that's, that's a bummer because I think he's been, he's been a better pitcher than his numbers would indicate. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Angels shut him down. Uh, he could be a good guy to look at next year. Remember, he hasn't thrown a ton of innings, and so he may also be wearing down a little bit, although you wouldn't know it from his last start. Simmons is tough. Um, I do like Luis Renjifo. He's not owned everywhere. Um, I haven't checked in on him recently, but um, when I was interested in him a couple weeks ago when I needed a middle infielder, uh, the skills were pretty solid. I think what limits his value is he's been batting eighth in that lineup. Um, so if he can get pushed up a little bit, um, he's got better than league average plate discipline, league average uh, contact rate. The hard hit rate is is low, um, but he's also he's normally he's been pretty fast in the minors. It's not translating this year. Only one stolen base so far. Three home runs. Uh, he hit another one today got decent plate discipline, almost a 10% walk rate. So you could do a lot worse in deep leagues going after Renjifo. I'll be interested to see. I think he was still batting towards the end of the lineup um, in today's game, but I'll be interested to see whether he gets moved up uh, a little bit at all because um, I think he could have some value if he's higher up in the lineup. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Renjifo. If he can get up in the, in the order there, he can definitely steal some bags and be very, very productive. I was hoping that'd kind of be what they do from the beginning, but it never really panned out that way, unfortunately. Um, Colorado Rockies, David Dahl, horrific ankle. Like, it was nasty. Uh, you could tell he was pretty much done. The team was distraught. It, it was a, it was a rough one. Um, they called up Jonathan Daza. We've seen him at times. I think it, it opens up consistent playing time for my Mel Tapia. I think that's the guy I'd be looking to go after. Is there anything else that you see that uh, on this Dahl injury? Yeah, I mean, I think – a lot of fantasy owners, myself included, were hoping that they were going to give Garrett Hampson maybe a little bit of time in the outfield. Um, but I think yeah, not surprisingly, we are all, I think, going to be disappointed for the entire year uh, when it comes to that. Um, I just think that there's too many bat. There's already too many bats in the outfield. I think Ian Desmond, you know, is there. Rymel Tapia is there. They're going to play regularly along with Charlie Blackman. Uh, I think they'll put in Hampson against uh, lefties. That's what it seems like just based on the one lefty they faced so far. I don't know if that's going to be a trend, but that's just not enough playing time in weekly leagues, at least um, to uh, get him in the, in the lineup on a regular basis. So I think it's kind of business as usual at this point, but with Tapia uh, and Desmond getting some more looks in that outfield. Yeah. I'm with you there. I just wanted to mention real quickly, Ryan Healy is officially having season ending hip surgery. What it stood out to me is you don't have to worry about him coming back every winning Dan Vogelbach's time and anything else along the way there. I just kind of always wanted to mention it in case for some reason in a 35-team 35 35 league, you still have Ryan Healy. You can let him go now. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And Vogelbach is very good. <laughs> yes, very, so, very good. Um, yeah, and um, just something that flick, flicked up here on my radar um, because I was looking at the Angels box score. Did you see Patrick Sandoval today? I saw bits and pieces of it. Just yeah. highlights. He did much better than I thought he would, but at the same time, I expected the Reds to just pound him. 
and it was kind of a mixed bag for me. So eight Ks in five innings, 17 yeah. swinging strikes out of 96 pitches. That's excellent. 33 called and swinging strikes on 96 pitches. That's like, you know, uh, my math isn't very good, but like a 34, 35% uh, CSW right there. Um, that is really, really good. So get him on your fantasy radars <laughs> would be yeah, something the, I would the say right thing- now. Yeah, that was the big thing with him is he was a big-time strikeout guy in the low minors and AAA. His numbers kind of dropped down this year and got hit a lot harder. Could be mm-hmm. the new baseball, obviously. But he also carried like a huge uh, – only like a – what was it, like a 50-something percent left on base rate. He had some weird numbers that, that showed a, a blow-up could happen or at the same time he's got big strikeout stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. He's, he's a southpaw. be interesting to see what he keeps doing there. But, yeah, he came up for Griffin Canning, so – Something to see there. Definitely. The uh, Colorado Rockies have made a change. We talked about him before the show. We talked about a few closing options, at least for myself, and I believe Toby was in agreement when we talked earlier. Scott Oberg is the guy I'd be going for. It's Colorado, so it's rough. But uh, Wade Davis has been – Wade Davis might be unemployed next year. It's been that bad. He might be in the Derek Holland mold of begging for employment. Scott Oberg has the job now, and he's been, he's been okay. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I like Oberg. Um, I think he's been um, – he did not look that great earlier on in the year. I think he's looked a lot better recently. Uh, I think the thing that uh, gives me hope that Oberg sticks around in the role is just how bad Wade Davis has been. And I dropped Wade Davis in all the leagues that I own him in. And one of the reasons why I did that is that he has been terrible um, at Coors this year, like just absolutely atrocious. I think it was Brian Slack shared a couple weeks ago how bad his home road splits were, but at home he has a 1071 ERA, a 1071 uh, ERA. His whip is above two, and he doesn't strike guys out. Away from home, his ERA is .68. Right. So he's been nasty uh, on the road. Uh, I mean, some of that is luck, but like he's been nasty on the road, but there's no way I can ever start him at Coors. Like the last homestand, I didn't start him at Coors, thankfully, as well, where I did own him. And like the thing is, if you can't start a closer for like any of the weeks in a weekly league, like in a weekly league, any any situation where he's in Coors for even three games, you can't start him. Like, even if he is, does have access to saves, you just can't have him on your roster. And so for that reason, yeah. like, I was totally fine dropping him. Oberg has been a lot better um, from a skills perspective. Over the last 15, he kind of surged a little while. They're, they're coming down. He has been lucky this year. He's been lucky but good. Um, so he hasn't been as good as he really, as, as his outcomes would indicate, but he hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination. So I think... Uh, like you mentioned, we were talking before, like him and Archie Bradley were the clear gets, I think, this week because they're both decent, at least. And I think they're very clearly in the closer role. And there's just so many questions swirling around every other bullpen situation. Yep, 100% with you there. Uh, last piece of news, Hung Jin Ryu was the 10-day IL. I guess they threw a, a, a dart at the, the outline of his body and said, oh, it's your neck this time. And um, he'll, he'll be back shortly. Expect maybe one more short stint before the playoffs for him and maybe some for Bueller and some others. 
just bringing it up because I wouldn't be too concerned about this. This is what the Dodgers are going to do to stay healthy for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, I think that's – I think you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I think this just, is what – this is what they're going to do, and they're dominating. And what's amazing about the Dodgers is they bring up like Tony Gonsolin or Gonsolin, and today he throws six innings of what one hit ball or something, two hit ball. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and he actually he struggled. He gave up in his last start. He gave up like four runs it was in bad. the first inning, and then he settled down. Um, I would not be surprised. Let's just like dive in here. We're getting a lot of diving in on the spot here on this program. I hope I hope folks are okay with that. Um, but um, today he, yeah, 13 swinging strikes in 90 pitches, 30 called in swinging strikes in 90 pitches against the good St. Louis team as well. And so if he is going That's almost, to... Wait, did you say 13 swinging strikes and 30 called strikes? Uh, called and swinging strikes. Yeah, oh, not, okay. Not, go 40 yeah, that 90, nice, right? I was about to go, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, but but still, I mean, that's a, above really 30 good. CSW, yeah. really, good, really good, really nice swinging strike rate right there. And so, you know, if Gonsolin is, um, uh, does stay up uh, for another round, then he may be worth, although it's probably too late because he'd be it's pitching this, the end of this year. Yeah, all right, yeah, end of this week. But, um, you, you know, even heading into this, heading into today, he had an 11.1% swinging strike rate, solid control metrics. Um, you know, he just had a twenty six point three percent strand rate. <laughs> yeah, so kind of got that one going for him. Yeah, so uh, so this is the thing, and I think this time of year is when you need to need to be really looking in to the recent skills. Like there are going to be guys who just kind of like you just got to ride the hot hand. Like Patrick yep. Sandoval, I would be all over him for next week because just by showing the skills that he showed today, it proves that he's better than fifty percent of the pitchers that are out there right now. And so those are the types of things you want to be looking at, um, you know, for sure. Although he might get, oh, no, they only play five games this week, I think. So he could be a two-starter next week. he can be a two-starter next week. So I think Sandoval might be a hot name heading into next week, too. So this is the thing. Just be be monitoring these guys. The Game Feed app on Baseball Savant is super helpful. It's Just being able to see, you know, game by game, like how guys are pitching and taking a shot on guys like these. Um, are, are I think how are you going to fill in those those empty spots right now in your pitching rotation because pitching is just a mess right now. Yeah, it's such a useful tool. You've been using it this pod when I was tweeting about Danny Salazar. I was using it. You know, people have been showing all the game feed stuff for Aaron Sanchez's start, all the differences in approach. You can learn a lot about how a pitcher's throwing by looking at the charts, the numbers. There's so many things just within that one game feed that'll tell you a lot of what's going on if they're lucky, not lucky. It's, it's well worth spending a little bit of time and checking it out. It works on your phone, so you don't have to be on your computer. It works just fine. Uh, so you can uh, be on the go and check it out. All right. The moment has come. I know you've wanted to do this. You actually asked to have this guy on the outline, and I already had him on here for you. Uh, so so we are going to talk about him. The Are They For Real Players segment, we have about five players to talk about. And the first hitter, and I'm going to go with the name, the pronunciation you have is John Birdie. And he came up early this year, played well. I believe he got hurt, was gone for a bit. Now he's back, and he's leading off for the fish, which, you know, if they're going to let him lead off for the rest of the year, he's got my attention. What <laughs> do we have in store with John uh, Birdie going forward? Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with uh, with Birdie now with Isan Diaz getting called up. Um, he did not play in the second half of the doubleheader today. 
which isn't necessarily a surprise, but they played him at second, at third. They played him at shortstop today. So I think they really want to get a get a look at what they – or actually, no, never mind. He's, he's almost 30, so we'll see. We'll see what they want to do with him. The reason why he would caught my attention, um, he's been very lucky so far this year, a 391 Woba compared to a 261 expected Woba. He's got solid plate discipline, 27% O swing. The contact rate um, is solid, uh, 90 and 78, 90 in the zone, which is great. Uh, 78 overall, which is uh, solid, slightly better than league average. Um, he's done um, the speed, though, is what I'm interested in. He does have a 38% hard hit rate, high ground ball rate. That's not terrible for a fast guy. But he does have uh, four stolen bases now in, um, let's see, he's got, uh, I don't have it. Well, uh, four stolen bases. Um, oh, there we go. Four stolen bases in 89 plate appearances. The reason why I was super interested in him this week is that he has the Mets. Uh, he's got four games against the Mets, and then he's got four games against the Braves, and those are two of the worst teams when it comes to holding base runners. And he has been batting higher up in the lineup, and so I think there's an opportunity for some runs here. I think there's an opportunity uh, for some stolen bases this week. I've started a John Birdie stolen base counter uh, for the <laughs> Mets series. It's currently at one from earlier today. I'm really hoping that that is not the only stolen base that he gets uh, over the next uh, couple days, but. Um, I really like him for speed this week. If you're in a daily league or you're, or you already have him, I think you can start him all this week if you need speed. And that's something that I need in a couple leagues, um, with injuries that have taken place and just guys who just have not produced from a stolen base perspective. So that's the, that's my interest in John Birdie. I do want to give a shout out to Jeff Zimmerman. I would have never have, I would not have looked into Birdie, um, if he hadn't replied to one of my, uh, tweets, uh, with a little, winky gif about John Birdie and I looked into Birdie and I saw the stolen bases. I saw who he was playing. I saw that he is the 11th fastest player according to StatCast at 29.9 feet per second, which is really, really nice uh, indicator there. And so for that reason, I'm, I'm interested in John Birdie. And I think, um, let's see, what does the Marlins uh, upcoming schedule looks like? So they got the Mets, then they got the Braves. They got the Dodgers who are not good at limiting um, base runners either. Uh, they have at Colorado at Coors. They're not good at limiting base runners that well either. And, and then I think, uh, and then they've got, they actually got a nice string here up until the red, the reds, I think of decent stolen base opportunities here. You got the Mets for four Braves for four Dodgers for three at Colorado for three at the Braves for three. And then at, and then uh, at home against Philly for three. So you can kind of mix and match him over the next couple of weeks uh, if you need those stolen bases. Definitely monitor him now that Isan Diaz has been called up and make sure that he is getting close to everyday playing time if you're in a weekly or biweekly league. Uh, that's really, really important. But uh, you could do a lot worse than Birdie if you need speed. I like it. I like it a lot. Let's go to Oakland. Chris Davis. I was tinkering around on just the month of July. You know, Woba, ex-Woba, bad average, ex-bad average, slug, ex-slug. X of velocities. I was just tinkering around yesterday and his name was in the top 10, like every one of them. Now the caveat always, and you know it very well is just because there's a big gap, you need to look at the number. And if it's still not a good number for the X number, it means he's still not producing where we want him to produce, but he has it safely in six straight games. He finally hit his first home run in over a month, like four or five games ago. You, you, there's only one way to go but up. Do you just think, because you, you dig into these numbers a lot better than I do, 
do you see anything with Chris Davis that should keep people optimistic for the last month and a half to two months of the season? Or is this just a loss? Because, you know, you look at all his line drive percentage and all this, it's all pretty good. He's just not producing to what we expect. Yeah, you know, he's been a curious case just because, like you mentioned, there hasn't been any glaring weakness in his profile so far. Uh, The major glaring weakness has been the quality of contact. He's at 7% barrels per plate appearance this year compared to 10.7% last year. That 10.7% was like fifth in the league, I think. And so that's been the big issue. I know he's battled through injuries. Um, but, you know, over the last uh, two weeks, uh, 248 Woba, but he's got a 313 expected Woba. That's pretty low. But what I really like to see is um, over his last 15 games, the O swing is solid at 30%. So right around league average. The contact isn't good, but it's getting better. So it's headed up. Um, his hard hit rate is also headed up. It's at 51%, which is really nice. Ground ball rate was headed down at 44%. So all of the trends that I like to look for when I'm trying to like identify maybe a guy is about to get hot or in a lot of situations like they're already hot or you'll look for the expected WOBA versus WOBA differential just to see whether they've been getting unlucky. And so maybe they've already, the skills are already hot, but they're just not producing yet. And so all, everything's headed in the right direction. It's not where at the levels where I think you want it to be, but it could be a sign that um, there is some improvement coming for Davis. Um, and if you're desperate in home run leagues, I think you could do a lot worse than maybe offering a trade for Davis because when he does get hot, we know how he, how much he can just crush it, you know, like he just crushes it. And so if he can get hot, um, to the extent that he's capable, um, he could really carry some teams down the stretch. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking. That's why I thought I'd, uh, throw the question out there to see how how it went because he's one of those guys that can catch fire in a hurry. He's he seems healthy now. Like it's just it's like the curious case of Chris Davis. It just it's really weird to see a guy with his his talent just not getting it done on the everyday basis. But we do have a guy we're gonna talk about now who, you know, myself, Scott Jenstead and others had a field day like three weeks ago or whatever saying how bad Andrew Benintendi's been this year. It's been a massive disappointment. And then you look at the month of July through today, he's hitting 307 with five home runs, 11 doubles, 21 RBIs. He's um, he's played pretty well of late. And then if you just – if you really want to get picky, you can go from like June 22nd on where he had a three-hit game. And it's almost like he was reading Twitter because that's about the right time when the um, the airing of the grievances happened. Since then, he's hit safely in all but three games, hitting 410 with five home runs, seven doubles. Um, he looks really, really good. Do you have anything when you're digging in with Ben Benintendi that thinks, like, this is legit now, or is the actual soft contact we've been seeing more the reality with, with Ben Benintendi? Yeah, he's um, – so for Ben Benintendi, he not surprisingly shows up among the, the leaders in differential between WOBA and expected WOBA. He has a 498 uh, WOBA over the last two weeks, uh, 355 expected WOBA. So he's still been very good, but he has not been uh, as good as uh, the numbers would indicate. I think the interesting thing for Ben Intendi has been his calling card has always been kind of the contact skills, uh, the bat ability to hit for batting average, uh, have a decent amount of power, good amount of speed as well. Um, but the plate skills have been the biggest um, – culprit 
for him so far this year. Um, they are uh, they are down um, from eighty eight uh, percent in the zone last year uh, and eighty four overall. Eighty four percent overall being very good. That's seven percent better than league average. To eighty four percent in the zone and seventy eight percent overall. Not surprisingly, his strikeout rate is up eight percent this year as a result of that uh, drop in contact rate. Um, the contact rate is up recently. Um, which is a really good sign. Um, you know, it's getting back to where it normally is. He still is chasing pitches more outside the zone than he has in previous seasons, but his hard hit rate is up. It's up 7% overall from the season. It's up at 38.3% over his last 15 games. Um, his ground ball rate is also down. It's down 5% overall. It's down from last year as well. And so there's some really nice developments that he's had in terms of the, the increase in hard hit rate overall throughout the course of the season, uh, the decrease in ground ball rate, those are both really good um, indicators of, of, of power. Um, but like they've come at the expense of his contact rate. And so I think maybe he's figuring it out. Um, he's clearly making a sacrifice of contact for power. It hasn't worked out for him so far. When you look at where he's at now after this hot month, like you know he's hitting over 280, a really balanced profile. He's not, he's not a guy that you're blaming now for uh, your terrible position in your fantasy league. And so he could be a difference maker down the stretch for sure. For sure. I definitely think he's being lucky. He's more, he's been very, very lucky recently, but I don't think there's any reason he can't be the guy he's been if he can get that contact rate back up and he could be even better if he's able to get it to where it's been in the past and maintain um, the improved qu- quality of the batted balls from a hard hit and ground ball perspective. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified that he's going to have a great finish to the season. I'm going to get sucked back into him next year <laughs> and do this do this roller coaster ride all over again. Because I believe in the talents of Benintendi. He just hasn't played like played to those talents for a full season yet, and it's tough because you get that hype train rolling. And I know I wasn't the only one, so he was going. Higher than he should have been, apparently, this draft season. I don't have him anywhere because he got the hype train got so high, but I'm always in on him. It just never seems this year. The year before, I had him a lot. This year, I didn't get him at all. So we'll see how next year goes. Um, a pitcher, a couple of pitchers here. One I was curious about before tonight's start, uh, where Jeff Samarja went a, a whopping four innings, three hits, one earned, three walks, three Ks, 98 pitches. Really threw a dandy at home. In the month of July, though, he made six starts. Even one in Coors, he had six in, or five or more, five innings or more in all six starts. Uh, in five of those starts, he had six innings or more, and he had quality starts in all of those. He had five or more Ks in five of six. He had a 209 ERA and a 399 FIP in the month of July. He pitched really, really well. And I'm selling like Coors Field, six and two thirds, four hits, two earned, two solo shots, nine Ks. He got the job done against some okay talent. Are we buying in to Jeff Samarja the rest of the way, or was that just a hot stretch that we need to watch out for? Um, I think it depends. I mean, I'm buying into Samarja more than I was earlier on in the season. I think he's kind of your quintessential, like, average pitcher. Like, he pretty much defines what it means to be average. And when you look at his skills, like, they're pretty much all average, you know. Uh, over the last month, he's got a 261 WOBA, but a 322 expected WOBA. So he's been lucky over the last month. A 10.3% swinging strike rate. Uh, so that's slightly below league average, but right around there. 26.7% CSW. That's right around league average. 
It's actually 2% below, but close enough. 86.3% in-zone contact rate. That's slightly higher than league average, but right around league average. 31% O-swing is right at league average. 46.0% zone percentage. It's a little high, higher than league average, which is good. 62% first pitch strike rate, right around league average as well. Not surprisingly, like 25% K rate, 4.3% walk rate. The walk rate is low. I don't think it matches necessarily what uh, the control indicators uh, point to, um, although he did only have 33.9% of his pitches last year were balls, or last month uh, were balls. So I think, you know, he's a guy in 15-team leagues. I think you want to have him, especially for the home starts. Um, but I don't think he's – he's not a league winner, but he's not a guy who um, – who's going to hurt you as long as you stay away from some of those kind of warning starts like at Colorado or at Philly. Yeah. I thought tonight would be a good start at home. He pitched great in San Diego tonight. He just, they, there's work to, to counts on him way too much, but he, he has my attention. He, I think he's one of those guys in the right matchups, which you'll have quite a few of down the stretch. You could have some fun with uh, last pitcher I have down here, James Paxton, a guy that people wanted to be all in on to start the season. It's been a rocky, Rocky ride, and if you look back to since July 1st, he's made six starts. In four of those starts, he went six innings. In all four of those starts, he got two run runs or less. He was great. Two other starts at Boston and home against Colorado, he got shellacked around the ballpark. So through those six starts, 5.17 ERA, 3.75 xFIP. He was one of the biggest uh, xFIP to ERA people over the last month. He also has some pretty good differentials in his x stats to his real stats. Are you seeing anything with James Paxton that might be better than the average stats showcase? Yeah, over over his last five games, he's definitely been unlucky. A 392 WOBA and a 292 expected WOBA. So there's a lot of bad luck that's hitting him. Although the 292 expected WOBA, like that's solid for a starting pitcher, but it's not necessarily what you want to see from an elite guy. And I think that's just, it's been kind of who he's been like the last couple seasons now where he's either elite and dominant or he's absolutely terrible. And he ends up being kind of like a slightly better than league average pitcher when it all comes out in the wash. The skills are really, really nice. 31.1% CSW over those last five starts, 16.8% swinging strike rate. That is awesome. 79.2% in zone contact rate. That is awesome. Um, 61% first pit strike. It's okay. 41.5% zone percentage, not that great. 34.5% O-swing, that's solid, but it all breaks down to about league average uh, in terms of the walk percent, uh, the percent of pitches that his that are balls. But the K-minus walk rate, I think, you know, tells the the story of the skills. 34.5% K rate, 7.1% walk rate. That's a 27.4% K-minus walk rate. That is absolutely um, excellent. The challenge, I think, for Paxton is we're now going on two years of having these great, um, uh, these great, this great K minus walk rate, these excellent skills, but we haven't really seen the results. And the question is, like, whether, um, you know, like, at what point does he become one of these pitchers who just gives up really, really good quality of contact and that limits the upside? Um, I think that is a, you know, I, I think. We're going on 255 innings now um, of pretty mediocre ball, at least for somebody who had much higher expectations, despite having a K-minus walk rate that's, you know, 
um, close to 25 over that period of time. So, you know, that's the challenge is really trying to figure out like, does this end? <laughs> does the luck, does the luck change or is it more reflective of, you know, um, maybe something that, that the metrics are missing? Yeah, no doubt about it. It's been pretty, pretty interesting watching him because there are certain starts where you think he'd dominate, like the Orioles have owned him this year. Uh, that one's been pretty interesting. Just a couple occasions, and then he goes out and he deals against Boston. So who knows? We know this stuff's great with uh, the Big Maple, but the inconsistency, the hard contact, uh, quality of contact is tough to uh, to mess with right now. All right, let's recap Fab for the week and go over this pretty quickly because we already covered a lot of these guys. But just some of the big names. I'm not going to go through everyone that got uh, picked up. If there's anybody that stood out that I didn't mention, feel free to fire away. But uh, one of the big pickups was Aaron Sanchez this week. Uh, I saw him go for 54 bucks in my league. He's, I saw him go all over the place. I saw him as well as like five bucks in some um, and, and then in others. But he looked great. We saw what the Astros do so well. He threw his curveball a ton more this time out than he ever did with the Toronto Blue Jays. And between Sanchez and Biagini, they combined for a no-hitter um, over the weekend. So he everyone's buying into the resurrection of Aaron Sanchez thanks to the Houston Astros, are you buying into the resurrection of Aaron Sanchez? I mean, it's too early to tell uh, for sure, Thank but you. I think you, you can't you can't wait, right? Like, yeah. you know, he's on the waiver wire. If he's on the waiver wire, he wasn't like in my TGFBI. I think he was already uh, he was already gone, which is sad, um, sad, sad face. Um, <laughs> but he, um, you know, like he looked good. It was really interesting. Uh, Jason Collette posted the. Um, the pitch chart or the uh, the strike zone, the zone chart for Sanchez. And it was like clockwork. It was forcing fastballs. He posted with the his one start with the Astros and his last start with the Blue Jays. Forcing fastball was elevated um, in the starts that he had, uh, the start that he had with the Astros. Curveball was down in the zone. Um, when you looked at the same plot uh, for the Blue Jays, the fastball was low. You know, and I think that's like the one thing that's pretty clear to everybody is work the four seam high, throw the curveball down in the zone, and that is a recipe for success. And I think if he can follow that, um, I think that that, um, you know, the fastball has never been good. I think that's the challenge. Like the fastball has been bad. It's not just the sinker. The sinker has been bad. The fastball has been bad. It's been even worse. I think it has like a 158 WRC plus for his career. It's a it's a terrible, terrible pitch. And so the question is, how much does how much does where that is located in the zone improve that pitch? And when people know to look for that pitch at that point point in the zone, is he going to have good enough command to keep it there? Um, it's just so hard to tell for sure. But I know his value is certainly up. You know, if he can go five innings, the chance of getting a win is increased dramatically with the Astros. It's pretty clear that they want him in the rotation, at least at this point. They sent Urquidy back to AAA. It sounds like Brad Peacock is going to start off in the bullpen when he does come back. So all signs point to him being a part of the Astros rotation, and that in and of itself is valuable enough for him to be owned. And I think with the pitching landscape as it is, it's a very educated guess to take on a guy to think that he may at least improve from where he's been in the past and be a serviceable pitcher. Yep. Totally agree. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Bo Bichette, everyone talked, we talked about him last week and all he's done is even Homer today. He's had an eight game hitting streak in eight games since getting called up. He's been worth every penny that anybody ever spent on him and should be a fun, fun play for the rest of the way. I don't have a whole lot to say besides 
He is a no-brainer pickup. Uh, everybody should have got him. That could get him. If you had the money, I hope he's on your team because this was a one of the last big things you're going to get this year. Yeah, I was super lucky in my uh, main event where I'm uh, in competition for uh, first place. Um, I was able to get him for 92 bucks, which was really nice. Um, I was really hesitant to pay the big price just because, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to steal bases. He stole, he had a lot of speed down in the minors, but, um, you know, he attempted a steal and I guess he was successful to, uh, not yeah, yesterday. So Sunday and, but it was, it was like called back for, um, uh, for, for umpire interference that gave me a little bit of hope that he's going to at least try to steal a little bit. But what surprised me is the power. Um, the power has played, and two of his three home runs have gone to the opposite field, um, which is interesting, including today at Tropicana, which does not seem like the easiest thing in the world to do. He is riding a 440 Babbitt, but the thing that I like the most about him is the contact rate. 91.2% in the zone, 83% um, overall. That's well above league average. I think that bodes well for the batting average to be solid. He's also got a 48% hard hit rate. Um, ground ball rate is below league average at 41% right around there. He is riding at 440 Babbitt. So, you know, you're going to expect that to obviously um, go down. But, you know, so far so good with him and just a really exciting player. And I think the Blue Jays are just a really exciting team to watch even now. I think they got a lot of young pieces on the hitting side. I don't necessarily trust them to put together the pieces on the um on the pitching side based on some recent moves they've made. Uh, but um, definitely a really fun team to watch. Most definitely. Uh, Dustin May made his MLB debut for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was a popular pickup. Uh, the the ginger guard, as they called him, yeah. looked pretty good at times. Uh, also got hit around a bit early, but overall pretty good debut. He should be up for a little bit, but at the same time, you never know. So uh, he was uh, added pretty much everywhere, I'm assuming, in your league as well. Um, uh, yeah, he was added in my league. He went for $48 to Smata. Um, yeah, I mean, my thing with May is I think, you know, everything points to him being really good. I don't doubt that for a second. Um, you know, he gave up a lot of hits. I think he, I think he gave up nine hits, maybe. Um, if, I'm, if I'm not making that up, I think I saw that. So his Babbitt was 429 against, um, you know, so those things are going to change. But what kind of jumped out at me a little bit was, you know, he did not get the swing and miss stuff. He had a 6.2% swinging strike rate. Only six pitches out of 97 uh, were whiffed on. Um, his CSW was also very low. And so I just wonder, you know, like obviously sinkers can be great pitches, but not really like, you know, there's very few guys who have good sinkers that are quality pitches. And if that is the pitch that he's going to throw the most, and it was 60 out of 97 pitches that he threw, if that's going to be the pitch that he throws the most, he's going to give up a lot of contact. And some guys can be successful with that contact, but I think you're going to see a lot of up and down based on Babbitt because there's going to be a lot of balls in play for that reason. I wasn't as into him. Um, uh, and I'm just not sure how long he's going to stay up. Ross Stripling is going to be coming back up, um, you know, soon. I think he has a rehab start this week, so he could be back as soon as next week. Um, you know, there's just, um, you know, I think there's just, uh, it just wasn't enough for me to make a large commitment to him. Uh, the skills that I saw, and again, it's just one, one, one game. 
no doubt about it. Uh, a popular two-step this week. You mentioned you have him in your uh, your leagues. Uh, Daniel Norris, he's actually been pretty good of late. I think we talked about him last week, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, you you picked him up as well in a couple leagues. Um, uh, Jason Vargas got added this week, but one I wanted to add, ask you about was Yvonne Nova, who I hate to even think about the idea of using him but he's actually been decent over the last few weeks. Do you have any interest in a guy like Nova going down the stretch? Um, uh, I have not noticed him, um, which doesn't mean that he hasn't been good. But it's like quality starts. It's not like he's shutting guys okay. down, but he's he's putting together like decent outings, basically. He's putting together. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, swinging strike rate is up recently, but still below league average. In zone contact rate is down. Um, it looks interesting. I wonder what his, what, what he's doing from a pitch mix perspective to change things up. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I've never, I'm never probably going to be that interested in Nova. I, I, and I don't blame you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not seeing anything that points to him being, uh, particularly good. Um, he's below league average in C, CSW. Uh, in the last month, he's below average in percent of pitches that are balls. Um, everything seems to be below league average. So I, there's nothing jumping out of me that makes him seem like he's somebody that I really want to get. And the last guy that kind of stood out to me is, you know, there's about 20 plus guys added in the league. And we talked about the main ones already would be Seth Lugo, who we talked about before the podcast. He picked up another save, uh, I believe it was today. Uh, and he's actually been pretty good. I lost the bid because I tied for a dollar with uh seth klein and so he got him but um you you were looking at seth lugo as well i think you grabbed him in a few places what do you have on seth lugo that might be sneaky going forward yeah i picked him up in a 12 team uh daily league um you know he's been really good recently over the last month his csw is 32.4 percent which is well above league average his percent of pitches that are balls is well below a league average under 30 percent which is very very good uh, I think that is going to bode uh, uh, very well for him. Over his last 15 games, his strikeout rate is 36.1%, and his walk rate is 4.9%. I am not a mathematician, but I believe that's a 31.2% K-minus walk rate. That is going to play. Um, so I just think he's got really nice skills. Uh, Edwin Diaz has been struggling. He's also been the unluckiest pitcher uh, by Woba, ex-Woba so far this year. So factor that into the situation. But um, Lugo's really good. He's a nice backup hold guy, and he pitches enough where, you know, he gets you three or four innings a week probably, and, um, you know, five to set five or six Ks out of those. Um, and that's – or four to six Ks a week, and that's not terrible considering what, considering what some of the other options are um, that are out there. So he's he's definitely a guy that if you're looking to fill – a spot for a week or two because you're just having a really hard time getting starting pitching in the lineup. He's not a bad guy to target. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent on board with you there. That pretty much wraps it up for me. Did you have any final players or thoughts before we call it a day on edition three? Well, as you know, but Bubba, I always have additional things <laughs> to say. apologies. Uh, the one guy that I wanted to mention this week who is interesting is Wade LeBlanc. Uh, LeBlanc has a two start. There's only five games that the Mariners are playing, but on every website, he is listed as being a starter 
um, for the game tomorrow against San Diego. And then I think they have KC at the end of the week. And they're both games are at home. And I was looking at his recent game log and he sucks on the road, but he's been pretty good at home this year. A 3.67 ERA in 54 um, innings. Uh, he's not going strike to strike out a ton of guys. So if your ratios are in a decent place, and you're and it's probably too late at this point, but if you are able to add him still as a potential two start in a in a deep league, um, I think you could do a lot worse than um, LeBlanc this week. Both of the starts are at home, um, and I think he he could be an okay option. Yeah, he's always been interesting. I think I wrote his last two start out. He uh, they use the opener with him. He actually has pretty good strikeout stuff. So uh, he's been sneaky in that Seattle and the right opportunities, like you're saying. So pretty yeah. sneaky there. Two last guys, I promise. Trent Grisham uh, is is uh, he's been batting leadoff against right-handed batters so far in his short time against right-handed pitchers in his short time. He could have a ton of value. Really good play discipline. Really good contact skills. A little bit of speed some pop two playing in Miller park. He could end up being a real boon. And the other guy who's been getting playing time over Philip Irvin as well is Aristides Aquino, who was in the lineup today against a right-handed pitcher and did pretty well as well. Um, So some of these rookies are coming up and they're getting playing time and it's a small sample. We're not going to get a true idea maybe of who they are really, but you could do a lot worse than taking a, a, a gamble on them. Yeah. Those two names are very interesting. I've been paying attention in the last few days in the DFS world. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see if they keep getting just, just playing time in those spots in the order. I think the, the fab world on Sunday can be very interesting. Cause I, I did see like Sammy Reed and some other guys uh, grabbed some of the, like Yancey even grabbed some of them um, this weekend, but I know like in my leagues, none of them were grabbed and I'm guessing in a lot of leagues, it's the same case. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out come next Sunday with all the fun fab as usual. All right, Toby, that wraps up edition three of the show. Any final thoughts where they can find you? What you got coming up? Um, as usual, just really appreciate um, sharing the podcast with you, Bubba. It's a lot of fun uh, to talk baseball, and you are incredibly patient in hearing me drone on with my uh, with, with the statistics, um, and, and especially today as we were looking up a lot of guys on the fly. Um, always, always fun. You can reach me at batflipcrazy on Twitter. Um, I also have a podcast where you can listen to this show along with uh, Bubba's uh, Bench with Bubba um, feed. Uh, that I try to put out another podcast every week. Uh, we're just looking at kind of interesting players. Uh, a lot of them are kind of lower owned guys, and so they might be helpful for you in in your fab. I think particularly moving forward, there's going to be a lot of um, small sample size skill watching. And I will try to bring that to folks um, moving forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, that'll be a good, good one to look at because you got uh, very small samples and can they help me now type thing. So very interesting there, but yeah, check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip crazy. I am at BD Intrick. This was edition three of Bubba and the Batflip. We'll be back with you guys next Monday with more fantasy baseball analysis. Catch you guys later.